Hello, and welcome back to the Sidekick Critic Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Crosby, and I am delighted to be here with you for another edition of this film and entertainment industry podcast. Once again, make sure you follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Sidekick Critic. I need those follows, like the reels, like the TikToks. Let's get some engagement going. I love all of it. Um, if you're looking for full episodes of the Sidekick Critic podcast, uh, look me up on YouTube and Spotify, the Sidekick Critic podcast. Those are the only places currently where you can get full episodes, whether you want to watch it or just want to listen on your drive. I'm very excited for today's episode. Uh, last week, I saw three new releases. It's always exciting when I could see three new movies in one week. It's very rare I fill up my reservations, but I had a full slate last week and Two of the movies I loved, one of them I didn't didn't really love, so I'm looking forward to talking about them with you and giving you my thoughts on the movie and hopefully convincing you to go see a couple of them. I'm going to start with the movie I didn't really love. So as I constantly say, and you'll hear me say countless more times, let's dive right in, my one minute review for Inside. This movie could have been a lot better. I wanted it to be really good. I've been looking forward to it since I saw the trailer. It looked like it was going to be funky and weird. And it just kind of let me down. I'll start with the good. Willem Dafoe is great. He does a great job uh, portraying this slow descent into madness this character goes through. And some of the cinematography is fantastic for a movie that takes place entirely in a wealthy person's apartment. That's the good. The bad was the plot just wasn't too intriguing. It didn't have much for you to really latch on to. The character wasn't someone you could really begin to root for and enjoy. So that was kind of a letdown. And then my friend Anastasia hated the film. And in her words, the movie just thought it was really smart. And it felt the need to constantly prove that. And I fully agree. The movie's a little too highbrow. 5.2 out of 10 for me on Inside. I was really hoping for more. That's going to be all I really say for Inside, honestly. I Last week I talked about another movie I didn't really enjoy too much, 65. I gave it a little bit more time and effort. I don't really want to do that because these next two movies I'm really excited to talk about. First, I'm going to, once again, as I always say, I'm going to dive right in. I'm going to give you my one-minute review for John Wick Chapter 4. This movie was a fantastic action blockbuster film it was everything i wanted out of it um it's a great bow on the john wick uh saga i constantly am unsure whether a fourth movie is needed in a series like this but this was a fantastic addition to that franchise uh obviously keanu reeves back we love keanu uh introduced new characters that all got great stories that were satisfying to watch it continued the existing characters stories in a satisfying way just what a great time i highly recommend everyone go see this movie i went and saw it by myself because i wanted to see it so badly and i didn't want to miss it and i'm so happy i did it's rare i go to see movies by myself i let something else replace it in my schedule made a point to not do it john wick chapter 4 is amazing 9.2 out of 10 for me one of my favorite movies of the year so far Okay, so with that one-minute review done, uh, I'm going to start by looking at the cast of this film for a little bit, because the cast did excite me. Of course, you have John... I'm going to do this a few times throughout the movie. Oh, wow. 
really struggling with words today. I'm fighting a little bit of, the, of a cold, so my mind's kind of out of it. But Keanu Reeves, of course, returns as John Wick. And multiple times in this podcast, I'm going to try to talk about Keanu, and I'm going to call him John Wick because he just embodies the character as anyone that's seen these films knows. Also reprising their role as the Bowery King is Lawrence Fishburne. You may know Lawrence from the Matrix movies as Morpheus or from Contagion, which if you have not seen Contagion, I highly recommend you check it out, especially in this post-pandemic world now. It's a very interesting watch. Uh, Ian McShane returns uh, for his role of Winston or Mr. Manager. You may know Ian McShane most famously from the Deadwood series on HBO. Uh, he's also in Game of Thrones and Pirates of the Caribbean. A uh, very recognizable face, a, uh, a very esteemed actor, been in the industry for a long time. Lance Reddick uh, returns as Sharon. Lance actually recently passed away, so our thoughts go out to his friends and family. Um, he was in all of the John Wick movies. He was in Fringe for many years, and he's done tons of voice work in his career. Uh, a great career for Lance Reddick and, Reddick and a true loss. Uh, the movie brings in a lot of new characters and new actors as well. Clancy Brown makes an appearance as Harbinger. Uh, I The whole movie, I thought I recognized him and I couldn't figure out why. And when I looked at his IMDb page... <laughs> that doesn't roll off the tongue well. When I looked at his IMDb page after the film, I realized he is the prison guard in Shawshank Redemption. He just got one of those voices that's iconic and you really recognize and everyone listening knows his voice without realizing it. he's the voice of Mr. Krabs in Spongebob. He's done tons of voice work in his career. Uh, he was fantastic in John Wick Chapter 4. Bill Skarsgård was brought on to the cast to play the role of Marquis. Uh, you may know Bill from It, the first one in Chapter 2. You may know him from Barbarian or from his short appearance in Deadpool 2. Uh, Bill is a fantastic actor. The entire Skarsgård family is incredibly talented. Uh, playing the role of Marquis' henchman named Chidi is Marcos Aurora, another new addition. Donnie Yen joins the cast for this film, uh, an iconic martial arts actor in the IP Man films. He was in Star Wars. I don't know if it's Star Wars. I think it's just Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which is arguably one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Donnie Yen is a legend, and he continues his great work in this movie. Another martial arts uh, icon Hiroku Sanada is in this film as Shimatsu. You may know him from the Wolverine, Westworld, Avengers Endgame, or Bullet Train. Hiroku, Hiroyuki's just got... Every time I see him in something, I like his character. He's very... He's got this comfortable presence on screen, and this film was no different from the get. I loved him in this movie. Shimir Anderson appears in the film as Mr. Nobody or Tracker. You don't really get a distinct name for him in it, but uh, I think he may have a future in the John Wick universe, as well as Rina Sawayama as Akira. Uh, I believe the movie definitely alludes to her getting a future as a possible John Wick spinoff, which is very exciting. Great cast for this film. Uh, as I touched on talking about it while going over the cast, the movie introduced a bunch of new characters that it's hard to introduce new characters for the fourth installment of a franchise and have the audience care about them, but this movie did an amazing job at that specifically. It uh, Kane, played by Donnie Yen, Mr. Nobody, the Marquis, all of them came into the film as unknown characters, but by the end, you were invested in 
the storyline and the actions and consequences of each decision for each character. And the ability to do that for the fourth installment is just impressive. It's It really kind of sets the tone for this movie and how successful it is. And not just financially, but critically, this movie is getting tons of acclaim because it it's very clear it takes its time and it does everything right. And these characters is a fantastic example of it when you could bring in what's the outside of John Wick the next three major players in this movie are all new characters and all of them their characters get the justice they deserve and the story they deserve doesn't just bring them in for the sake of as a foil to John Wick or to push a story along but the character has no purpose they all have a purpose and that's very exciting to see and as I've said multiple times, the fourth installment of a franchise. Most franchises start to tail off once you get to the third, fourth installment. John Wick has continued to get better, which is really just hats off to the cast and crew for all these movies. They've done a fantastic job. As I mentioned, this movie is a fantastic action blockbuster. It's honestly one of my favorite action movies, just pure action of all time. Uh, It starts off after like 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, maybe getting you into the movie, there's a major set piece for 45 minutes, an action set piece and sequence that it it gets your heart pumping, you're sucked in so quick. And I, as it's going on, I'm like, oh my God, this is a long action set piece. But that's in my mind immediately gone because Everyone that's watched a John Wick movie knows what they do so well is the action and the stunts and the the choreography behind it is impressive. And it's this movie held up. It had a lot of samurai elements, especially early on, that was refreshing and nice to see and a change of pace where it's not all guns. They introduce other weapons that really make the fighting unique and bring a new element to it that gets you in very quickly. The middle third of this movie has a ton of exposition. It's the, it slows down quite a bit as it kind of needs to, aside from one uh, 10 to 15 minute uh, action set piece. It needs to slow down to set up the final third of the movie, but it's not a knock on it in any way, especially because that final third ends with this set piece at Arc du Triomphe in Paris that is stellar, that I'm going to talk specifically about a little later on. Um, and then one final action set piece I want to talk about, because I don't want to give too much of it away and tell you too many specifics, but there's one where they're in this abandoned house and the camera goes to a top-down view, a bird's-eye view of the action and as it's unfolding, that is so refreshing and unique. It's almost like watching one of those video games like Halo Wars where you're looking down on the game. And when it pulled out and happened, I was like, oh, this is a neat little bit they're doing, and then it it does this long one take, a oneer as they call it, where it's straight through. There are not cuts. You're just following the action for a few minutes straight, and it's it's a very interesting uh, cinemagraphic choice to zoom out and go top down like that, where you can't quite see the actors' faces and how they're reacting, responding to events. You just have to watch the events unfold, and it's. Uh, almost anxiety inducing to watch it like that but in the best way that you're so wrapped up in it and your eyes are bouncing around you're trying to follow the action as it goes from room to room hats off to the director and the cinematographer and production and set designers what a 
fantastic choice to make for that action set piece. I talked about the uh, new characters and how they all got a great story. The other aspect you have to look at in a franchise like this is do the existing characters, the returning characters get, get a good story? Is it worth it to tell their story here? And I believe the director and Keanu Reeves have stated that this will likely be the last John Wick specific movie. So they really had to put a bow on it. And my God, they put an amazing bow on it. It's John Wick, Mr. Manager, and Sharon specifically, those three characters, all their story throughout the four movies makes sense. It follows a cohesive thought process and plot and storyline and seeing them play out in chapter four was a joy. It's it's tough to get four movies in and say, okay, what can what story can we still tell for this character? Where can they go? And I was part of my worry. I actually wasn't really looking forward to this movie ahead of time because I was like, I felt like John Wick was at a good point that we could move on. Like, do we need to tell another story? Is it going to be too much? And it absolutely wasn't. And the one I specifically want to touch on is Sharon, as I mentioned, planned, played by Lance Reddick, who passed away. Uh, his storyline in this film and how they wrap it up is it was just a fantastic bow on his character, but it almost feels as though it's not just a send-off for the character, but a send-off for the man as well. And I, if anyone watches it, I hope you pick up on it like I do when you realize Lance Reddick, what happened to him and his story and his story within the film. It's I've heard great things about him, the man. It's Everyone that worked with him has had glowing acclaim for how nice of a person he was, and it's just the best way to sum it up is really just a good friend. It really is, and it was fantastic, and I, I loved it. I, I Rest in peace to Lance Reddick, a, an amazing actor taken from us too soon. I'm going to touch a little bit on by the numbers for John Wick because it is very intriguing looking at this movie and seeing where it's going to go in the box office. Its opening weekend this past weekend was massive. $73.5 million domestically, which is just blowing the previous John Wicks out of the water uh, and is really surprising giving a couple recent fails at the box office. Comparing it to previous John Wicks first, like I said, that $73.5 million domestic opening, 137 gross international domestic in its first weekend. The first John Wick did $14 million its opening weekend, the second John Wick did 30 million, the third John Wick did 56 million. Those are increases from that movie, one, two, or three, to John Wick 4 of 425%, 145%, and 31%, respectively. Lionsgate put out a press release how this is only, I think, I think for them, maybe their third franchise where through four films, the it might have been not just through Lionsgate, it might have been all franchises where for each film, box office revenues increased, which is shocking to me, but not a lot of franchises make it to four films, and the ability to see that increase continue across all those movies was is really exciting for the box office and the cinema industry. It shows that if you're going to do a franchise like this, and if you put in the time and the effort and you make a good story behind it, and actually do it right, it can succeed. Not everything needs to be the franchise for the sake of being a franchise and making money. Sometimes you make a franchise because it's going to tell a good story, and John Wick does that, absolutely. 
the opening weekend of 137 million gross is already more than both John Wick 1 and John Wick 2 earned in their entire run. This movie is a massive success for Lionsgate. It's a massive success for Keanu Reeves and the director, Chad Stahelski. And I'm very much looking forward to what comes out of it. I can't imagine Lionsgate is going to give up this kind of money. I think we're going to get a spinoff, whether it be with Ana de Armas' character in John Wick 3, the ballerina, or from one of the new characters introduced in this movie. I, I think they're gonna. there's no chance they don't try to capitalize on this financial success, so it'll be intriguing to see what they do. Finally, I want to talk about the director a little bit. Uh, the director for this film and for all the John Wick films is Chad Stahelski. His career actually started as a stuntman, including doing stunts on The Matrix with uh, Keanu Reeves, which is actually where they met and became friends. Uh, I saw a story of his first week working on that set. He's at his hotel relaxing, and he gets a call that someone is there for him in the lobby. He, go down, he goes downstairs, and it's Keanu Reeves waiting with a box of wine just to say thank you and to welcome him to the set and the crew and looking forward to the relationship. And from there, the two of them have had a fantastic working and personal relationship and it just goes to show Keanu is a great man. You get all these stories about how good of a man he is and it's not just press and PR. It's it's the little actions of finding the stuntman at his hotel and bringing him a box of wine to thank him for his work. Stuntmen are often underappreciated and it's time for that to change. And it starts with little actions like the lead actor in a movie like The Matrix recognizes and the stunt team and reaching out to them and befriending them and including them. Chad had an interview with Rolling Stone about this movie and there were a lot of very intriguing aspects in that interview. Um, One thing that's a great skill of a director that, I mean, this is his fourth film directing and it seems he has this skill in abundance is sometimes you have to let actors act. You can't always direct every little thing and he talks about how much he loves that aspect of it and sitting back and someone like Lawrence Fishburne his character the Bowery King is very bold and boisterous and Lawrence will give a take where he's like I said bold and boisterous but then the next take he'll subdue it he'll bring it down quite a few levels and Chad is like I'll let him do his thing I'll let him record the takes he wants and how he thinks it should go together and we'll put it together in the editing room and it's apparent as these the characters are so real and well done and what's a ridiculous universe to create real characters like this where their actions make sense and they're cohesive says a lot not only about the actors playing them but the director in letting them play that and create this character that spans four films now. Coming from a stunt background and being a stunt coordinator Even Chad mentioned how some of the action set pieces they do in this film made him nervous. And specifically, I mentioned it earlier, I'd talk about it more. There's one set piece that takes place at Arc du Triomphe in Paris. And he said it had him nervous and he was scared while recording it because you have Keanu Reeves and Marco Zoror in the middle of this giant roundabout with... 20 to 30 cars speeding past them and everything has to be choreographed to a T where you know when to step forward, when to step backward to avoid a car hitting you. And despite having 30 of his best stuntmen driving, he almost couldn't look at times because the star of the movie is having cars race by them at 40, 50, 60 miles an hour. And it's very obvious how real it is, how it's not just the two of them fighting and cars are CGI'd over. You can 
feel that car rush by as you're watching the movie, especially in a theater. And it goes to show how it's not just that set piece, but all of them in this film and all across the John Wick movies feel legitimate and practiced and well choreographed because coming from a stunt background, Chad said, typically stunt work and choreography and all that starts six weeks out when you start bringing in the entire crew to get everything together and prepare for filming it. Chad brings in his cameraman, his production designer, set designer, cinematographer to the stunt rehearsals sometimes six months in advance. So that by the time they walk on set, they are a well-oiled machine and all of them are working not to achieve their goals and their specific tasks within the movie, but to achieve a common goal and a common purpose. And it really shows in just how cohesive all of that is. I'm really looking forward to whatever Chad Stahelski does next. The John Wick movies have been amazing for him. They've been amazing for his career. I think he's the next big thing when it comes to action director along the lines of Michael Bay. I, I think he puts together a well-coerced movie and with his writing team and cinematography team, I think he can do some really interesting things. It's rumored he may do a Rainbow Six movie with Michael B. Jordan, which I would love. I love Michael B. Jordan. Rainbow Six has uh, famous novels and video games, so I think that stunt background on a film like that will really translate well and will be fun to see. And that's pretty much all I have to say for John Wick Chapter 4. I think this is one of those movies that is well, well worth watching in theaters. Uh, if you're only going to see one movie in theaters in the next month or so, go watch John Wick Chapter 4. It's, I mean, a 9.2 out of 10, one of my favorite movies so far this year. I think it'll stay in my top 10 because it's just fun. I'm debating seeing the second time because I had such a good time in the theater, and that's the highest acclaim I can really give to a movie, going to see it a second time in theaters. Last movie I want to talk about today is definitely a more niche film and more specific to me and my interest, but it's Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Here's my one minute review. This is everything I wanted out of a D&D movie. It's ridiculous, it's corny, it's funny, it's action packed, but it tells a good story. And you can see on the cast, they have great chemistry, they had a lot of fun making this movie. The humor was amazing, uh, and it wasn't gatekeeping. It wasn't specifically related to D&D all the time. It had humor that anyone can enjoy. Me having played Dungeons & Dragons, there's a couple things I and others in the theater specifically laughed at because I got it, but others could still laugh at most of the jokes in this film, which is what it takes for this movie to go into the mainstream. It's definitely a more niche film. I I'm hearing reports it won't succeed, and that's a shame because this movie is a lot of fun. I I will recommend it to everyone because I enjoyed it. 7.4 out of 10. As I just mentioned, this movie is looking like it might be a financial failure. Tracking is showing it opening at $23 to $30 million on a $151 million budget. That is a massive financial failure, and it's a real shame to me because... I think the Dungeons Dragons world and the lore behind all of it in the game, it has a lot of potential to tell some really, really good stories in a film medium, and we need more of that, and it probably isn't going to happen with this movie flopping at the box office, which is surprising to me because having watched it, I guess I have a little hindsight of it being really good, and those who haven't played D&D 
and obviously haven't watched it aren't going to be as interested. But the movie reminds me a lot of Jumanji, the remakes with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart, Jack Black, because it takes something that exists and it says we're going to tell it our own way in a different way. And both in terms of quality and how much I enjoyed them, the movies feel very similar. I think giving it humor that's not only specific to D&D, getting that gatekeeping out of the way and not employing that was a genius decision. It allows... I went to go see it with my fiancé and our friend Anastasia, and both of them thoroughly enjoyed this movie. That's what it needed to do. It needed to interest those that aren't Dungeons & Dragons fans, and did that really well. Uh, The cast for this film includes Chris Pine as Edgin, Michelle Rodriguez as Holga... Roger Jean Page as Zank, Justice Smith as Simon, Sophia Lillis as Doric, Hugh Grant as Forge, Chloe Coleman as Kira, Daisy Head as Sophina. Uh, the cast, you could see they have tons of chemistry in this movie. I watched a couple interviews with them where they're joking around. They had a great time filming it and they seem to become a cohesive, close unit. Uh, Chris Pine was talking about how his character is a bard. He had to learn to play the loop but didn't really have to learn how to play it that well. So while his co-stars are training and practicing with different weapons, a longsword and axe, Chris Pine, in his own words, he got to sit around and read. He walked the beach. He caught up on Netflix instead of training. And they all got a good laugh. And it seems, I, I love seeing a cast that gets along that well, similar to the Marvel cast and Avengers. It's fun. It's a sense of camaraderie that makes me more excited for the film and makes me enjoy it more. And that was very evident in this movie. It's directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Um, This directing tandem did uh, the Vacation Reboot with Ed Helms, as well as Game Night with Jason Bateman. Game Night's one of my favorite comedy movies in the last 10 years. Highly recommend everyone go watch it. It's such a blast to me. It's unique. It's different. It was a quality comedy. It wasn't a stupid comedy. It was just good and funny. Highly recommend you watch it if you can find it on streamer. Uh, The two of them also were writers on Horrible Bosses. Another one of the best recent comedies. Recent, I mean, that's a long time ago now. But And then Spider-Man Homecoming, which is one of the better Marvel movies. One of the best Spider-Man movies there is. It's a real shame that this movie's not looking like a success because it could have done a lot for Dungeons & Dragons as a game and opened up the possibility for a lot of future stories to be told within this style. Hopefully they're not discouraged. Hopefully this movie does really well on streaming or it does better than just tracking at the box office, but it's competing with John Wick, which came out last weekend. As I mentioned, I saw Dungeons & Dragons earlier, so that's coming out this weekend. The following weekend is the new Mario movie, so it's got a lot of competition of other movies people are going to see, this is probably third or fourth on most people's list. If you see two movies within the next two weeks, make this one of them, in my opinion. I think you'll have a fun time. I really did. As I mentioned, 7.4 out of 10. That's, I don't have a ton to say about the movie because it's a, I didn't love it as much as I love John Wick. I really enjoyed it. But the other thing I want to talk about with it is a huge interest of mine in gets a bad rap at times because people don't understand it. And that's Dungeons & Dragons as the game, which is a tabletop role-playing game. 
The game kind of has a bad rap, as I said, where most people just assume it's only Dungeons and Dragons. That's it, and it's very nerdy, and you're dressed up, and all that. And that's not the case. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons itself is just a base-level rules for a way to play a game. You can play it in any setting you want. It doesn't have to be Dungeons and Dragons. I got into it because I started getting these TikToks and Reels of a D&D show, Dimension 20. Uh, from College Humor, which some people have heard about, now drop out. Uh, they were doing a season called Fantasy High, which is a D&D game based in a John Hughes-esque universe. John Hughes directed countless, not countless, but many of those 1980s high school movies, 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, that everyone loves. And take that world and say, let's play D&D in that world, where the characters are high school students. So they're goofy, they're ridiculous, they're fun. And those clips are making me laugh a ton. So I went and checked it out. The first season is free on YouTube and it is, I've watched it twice now because it's just so enjoyable. And it's, if you're one of those people that watches YouTube while you work, it's a great thing to just throw on and half listen to and pay attention or rewind a minute if you heard something big happen. And it's a great way to learn the game. It got me into it heavily. I watched that whole season before couple of my coworkers I knew, they played D&D and I said, hey, can I join a game with you guys? And they said, yeah. And I had a blast. And the game's very simple. It's a combination of role-playing and rolling dice. You create a character, your character has all these stats and things they could do, and you attempt to do anything you want. No is the least commonly said word in D&D. And if you say, hey, I want to jump across this bridge... You roll a dice to see, do you succeed? Do you fail? How well do you do with it? And a lot of people kind of get turned off by that role-playing aspect. And that, for me at least, that is the wrong way to look at it because you're not pretending to be some high and mighty fantasy wizard. You could be a high school student that's really good at sneaking around. You're a human, you're a rogue, and you just act that out. And... You really have to let your inhibitions go and just have fun with it. That's the most important thing. Everyone around you, if you're playing with them, is in the same boat as you. So if you just say, okay, we're just here to have fun, and you take the lead and you start doing some interesting things, some ridiculous things, funny things, whatever it may be, others will follow. I started as a player and had a great time. It's a lot of fun to actually role play and almost be outside yourself and put away your worries and become someone else for a little bit. You don't have to be a good actor. You just have to have a slight imagination to role play like that. And I have a massive imagination. So after playing for a little bit, I decided I wanted to be a DM. The DM is the dungeon master. That's the person who essentially runs the game. Typically, you'll buy a what we call a campaign book and it'll have a story and you run through the story with the players and you'll control the bad guys. You'll control everyone that's not a player. I went overboard. I built an entire world shaped around it. The players gave me their characters and we started telling a story within this world. And it's a collaborative process. In D&D, it's a game where everyone wins. There is no me against you. It's not you against the other players. It's a team effort and you're collaborating to tell an interesting story that satisfies everyone. And... If you actually give it a chance, it's a ton of fun. Yes, you need to find a group of people to play it. It's 
hard to play by yourself. It's impossible to play without at least one other person, but it's worth finding a group because it could be a great way to connect with people and a great way to just spend two hours on a random night and not worry about anything. And that's kind of my Dungeons and Dragons spiel. Uh, I hope this movie does better than it's looking like because I think it'd be a great uh, niche game to bring more, I say niche, but there are tons of players for it, but I only know the people that I play with that have played it. So I'd love to see more people play it and at least give it a shot or watch some of these shows. Like I said, Dimension 20, look it up on YouTube. Most people I think if they watched it would have a blast because it is just hilarious. Looking ahead at the Sidekick Critic Podcast, I will not have an episode next week. I will be traveling abroad, so I will not be able to record or edit at all, so it'll be a week off. In that time, I'm going to be seeing, uh, in the West End in London, I will see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show, but I am a massive Harry Potter fan. I've read the books multiple times, I've seen the movies multiple times, I love Harry Potter world, I listen to the audiobooks, I've played many hours into the recent Hogwarts Legacy game. So I'm very excited. It's a, I want to say it's a six hour play broken into two parts. I'll be seeing both parts the same day. I think when I get back, because I have, will have not seen any movies, I'm going to do an entire Harry Potter episode and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to dive in deep with the books, with the movies, the game, the play, everything Harry Potter. I'm so excited because it's one of my biggest interest in my life. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And then I'll be back to movies. So like I said, no episode next week, Harry Potter episode. And then by then I will have watched more movies, which I'm very excited about. Stoked for the trip. Little part of me is sad about not watching movies, but it's you got to travel while you can. So I'm very much looking forward to it. As I mentioned at the top, top of the episode, follow me on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and Spotify at Sidekick Critic. Instagram and TikTok, I'm posting clips. I let you know what I'm about to see, what I thought about what I just saw, and YouTube and Spotify for the full episodes. Inside, you can skip in theaters. John Wick 4, a must-see in theaters for me. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, if you're looking to switch it up or need a second movie to watch. My name is Andrew Crosby. I'm the host of the Sidekick Critic Podcast. Thank you for stopping by.